my other practical piece would be to like learn how to sit with other people in their aches and not try to solve it, (laughs) but to just be in it and to just allow Christ to unite us and not our states in life. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Kenna Malay, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm happy to bring you this podcast along with my husband, Pat Malay, a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader. We invite you to our kitchen table. Okay, not literally, but you're definitely invited into the conversations that we seem to keep having once the kids have scattered off to play and we're left doing the dishes. We're excited to share this podcast for educational purposes. It's not intended as therapy or as a substitute for mental health care. So let's get talking about this whole life. Welcome back to this whole life podcast. Uh, it is awesome to be with all of you today and to have our very first ever interview guest, Ashley Cermak. Um, welcome, Ashley. Hello. Thank Thanks you so much for coming up here to our third floor, the podcast <laughs> layer. It's beautiful. <laughs> Isn't it so glamorous? It's up here? Abs- you guys, I'm telling you, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so, Ashley, it's awesome to have you. You know, you have been connected to Pat through ministry for a long time, um, but you and I have been able to develop a connection over this past year um, as you has, have stepped into the world of therapy and counseling. Um, so, it's just awesome to have you. I'm looking forward to having you in the field as you look toward graduation in the spring. Um, yes. How is it all going? How are you feeling about it? About graduation, I am ready. (laughs) Yes. I mean, on the one hand, right? Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be like a real therapist. That's a little scary. But on the other hand, I am ready to be done with school. Yeah. (laughs) You were made for this kind of ministry and this kind of service. So yeah, we will be so grateful to have you. Um, before we get too much into this, because I know we want to hear a bit more about your background and yeah. and um, into this topic of the single life as a Catholic woman, um, and also connecting to the universal ache mm-hmm. that you're going to explain to us. Um, but first, as we always do, you may know, Ashley, we start with our high and our hard. Yes. Um, so as our guest, as my guest, would you mind going first? Sure. So this week, I would say that my high was... okay. Background. I'm a huge Josh Gerrels fan. If you don't know who yes! Josh Gerrels is, yes! you okay. all should look him up. So, all right, Pulse of shout out to you. He loves Josh Gerrels. Okay, oh, keep going. Love it. <laughs> so I am like such a fangirl that I kind of obsessively check to see if he has any new music dropping. And he just had a single, I think it was a cover of somebody else, but that's okay, um, called This Wild Earth. Okay. And I just love the words. And okay. I just got really happy hearing Josh Gerald's high voice. He pulls it off. <laughs> That's awesome. And the instruments are great. So. Um, we should link that up in our show yes, notes. So, absolutely. Yeah, our listeners, and including me, can go check that out. Yes. Okay, so that's your high. And your hard lately. Yeah, I think my hard lately has just been, um, we'll probably get into this in a minute, but as I am in my internship and seeing my own clients, um, just really feeling the the beautiful but heavy weight of people's stories um, and just really entering into 
um, what one of my professors calls the not yet, right? Of like, Mm. we're with people in the midst of their brokenness, in the midst of their ache. And what a privilege. But also it's hard. It's hard to like maintain hope and not catch all the different things going on and just, um, yeah, really keep my eyes focused on, on Christ amidst it all. Yeah. Yeah. Like letting yourself be that instrument Mm -hmm. um, for his healing work. It's, it's tough when they're humanly like right in front of you hurting and absolutely. I can, I can, yeah. You get it more than that is relevant. (laughs) That is relevant to my life as well. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. My, um, I'll start with my hard, um, you know, it is influenza season. Mm-hmm. And I think the hard for me, um, my spiritual director was identifying this for me. He's like, man, you really struggle when there is not structure, <laughs> like anything that mm. deviates from the plan, capital T, capital P. Um, and it is, I mean, the the illnesses themselves are hard. Watching our children suffer physically yeah. is hard and, and, and all that. But for me, it is how um, kind of quickly I feel like I unravel um, when I don't have my structure and my routine and I can't rely on things, which, you know, it it sounds kind of ridiculous as a mother of seven um, that I would ever think that I could rely on a schedule. But I do. I do. (laughs) do. I come to to really appreciate the rhythm of our life. Um, And so, yeah, so that has definitely been a hard, that flexibility that's been demanded of me lately. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say my high um, has been for sure, you know, this this podcast um, gaining steam and energy and getting feedback from folks and reading the reviews. I, I don't like to check them very often because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I have, I have a lot of um, thoughts about how that could, you know, be a, a negative in my life, be yeah. it pride or, you know, um, just self-critical or what have right. you. But anyway, so every now and then I do look and um, it is so affirming. The, mm. the feedback has been really positive and, and Pat has, you know, always been so such a big advocate for folks rating and reviewing and all that. And I was like, why is that a big deal? And, and I get it because it, it does give us greater visibility in mm-hmm. the world of podcasts where there are a lot of great podcasts to choose from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just like feeling really loved and supported and encouraged by those folks who have taken that time to do that. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. I feel the community and yeah. I feel the love like across the distance. So Shout out to all of you who've taken the time to do that. Thanks a lot. Um, Yeah. So, okay. With highs and hards under our belt, Mm -hmm. let's turn the corner into um, our episode. And, you know, Ashley, when we had asked you to be on the podcast, we just, we knew like anything Ashley wants to talk about, we'll take it um, because you are so wise and reflective and prayerful. Um, And the thing that rose to the top for you was Mm -hmm. being able to offer your perspective um, as a at this moment, a single Catholic woman, um, and how that connects to your experiences in ministry. Um, So maybe we can start with a little background about who you are and um, what drew you into parish ministry initially. Um, Would you mind sharing about that? Sure. Yeah. So I, long story short, I grew up in a a Christian home that was kind of Catholic on the side. We belonged to this like ecumenical charismatic community, Catholic on the side. And as I neared the end of my high school years, I found myself, um, well, first of all, I encountered theology of the body, which Mm -hmm. is something by John Paul II, very Catholic. um, And I was captivated. Um, But at the same time, I was uh, engaged in another um, denomination and their youth group. And so I found myself just in this, place of like, oh, I love Jesus and I want to serve him um, and I want to help other people serve him, but I don't quite know 
you know, where I belong in that. Mm. And so I kind of took a leap of faith in a weird way. Um, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to a Catholic university because I figured if I decided to be Protestant, for some reason in my brain, I thought that like they'd forgive me for having a Catholic degree, but I thought Catholics were quite strict. And I was like, they'd probably be less forgiving if I had like a Protestant theology huh. degree, yeah. whatever. It doesn't even matter what the logic is. But the point is that I ended up um, at a, a Catholic university where um, even if I, it wasn't necessarily that the the theology was incredibly sound, but the people surrounding me were really sound. Mm. Um, and I encountered a priest there who just set my heart on fire for the truths of our faith, um, who, you know, clarified the classic things that I think a lot of people might get hung up on, you know, around Mary, around the Eucharist, around the priesthood, you know, different things like that, that he had compelling answers for. And his preaching was dynamic. And mm. um I kind of caught the fire for Catholicism at that point and started heading down the path of really um, bringing that desire for ministry into the Catholic realm, right? Into really being a, a Catholic minister. So ended up finishing my degree with a little detour to serve with net ministries in the middle, um, which further uh, grew my desire to work with young people. Um, and then after that, I taught religion for a couple of years and got to be in the lives of teens in their everyday, like I call it like their natural habitat. And <laughs> loved that. I loved that because I got to just see them, frankly, at their worst at times and just, um, you know, I, so I loved that and then finally made my way into the parish, um, really desiring to have more of an opportunity to do evangelization. Because where I was at, I felt like I was being asked to like teach these deep truths of the faith in the school setting with no previous encounter with Jesus. Mm. And so um, that ultimately led me to be like, you know, I got my degree in youth ministry and let's do it. So yeah. I ended up working as a youth minister then for a few years after that. So really like wanting to go after their hearts mm, and like to yes. facilitate that relationship Absolutely. with Jesus, like in their hearts. And I mean, it sounds like you wanted them to have a piece of what you had, you know, through yeah. that priest who yes. it's just so, as I listen to him, I'm like, oh, isn't it amazing how one person yeah. can um, just rock someone's world in, in a great way. Yep. And here you are, you know, affecting the lives of so many individuals and families and, um, yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So, so from school, um, to teaching mm -hmm. to parish youth ministry, yes. and then somewhere along there, you discern to go back to school. <laughs> Let's again. change the career again. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's what happened. I, um, I mean, a variety of things happened, but one major piece was that I noticed a commonality in myself and in my giftings um, as a teacher and as a youth minister. And it was sitting one-on-one -on -one with my teens or with their parents and just listening to their stories and helping them problem solve whatever issue was before them. Um, that's when I came alive. That's when I just felt like, oh, this is what I'm here for, you know, and all the other aspects of teaching and youth ministry were, were just fine. Um, but they were, they weren't the light that I felt when I was sitting with people. Um, and so amidst that and amidst seeing just the growing mental health challenges um, among the young people that I was serving in their families, um, I, yeah, I decided to, to take the leap 
in none other than 2020, as one does. Oh, um, oh wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, I should say this, too. I originally had double majored in psychology and then ended up minoring. But it had always been in the back of my head. Like, I'd always been interested in psychology. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of made the joke of like, I could never sit and listen to people's problems all day. I'll never do that. And then just as I grew and and learned more about myself and um, walked with more people and learned and like understood myself better, my own journey better. Um, I was like, actually, like, I kind of do want to do that. I kind of do want to sit with people in their ache, in their hard. Yeah. And um so yeah, I I eventually just decided to mm. to make that shift and I'm in year 3 of school and I'm ready to hit the r- ground running here. So. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And yeah, it, it sounds like um gifts well discerned and um putting them before the Lord like, okay God, you know, where where do you want me to be? Where do you need me to be to serve your people best? Um I love that and I'm so grateful that we get to benefit um, from your experiences here on this podcast, but just in the church and in this field at large. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So we've got you in the hot seat, Ashley, and you are being incredibly generous to us in sharing about the single life. And and as a non-single person, I'm curious, like, what are some of the comments? What are some of the things (laughs) that people say to you about being a single person, especially a Catholic single person? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so many well-intentioned people, um, but so many unhelpful things. Um, I think, yeah, one of them is like, oh, it, it'll happen when you least expect it. Oh, like, oh really? Because I haven't been expecting it for like, you know, a solid few years. <laughs> um, right. That's one of them for sure. Another one is, um, well, you're single. You you have all the time in the world. Ooh. Oh, Okay. Got it. I've also had uh, people say, well, maybe God is having you get married later in life because he knows that your marriage is going to be full of suffering and he's trying to like spare you uh, oh, the years wow. of suffering. Oh, wow. That is that's complex. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the look on the bright side or like, hey, at least you like fill in the blank, you know, get to sleep through the night or like at least you uh, get to make all your own decisions. And don't get me wrong. Like. There are some nice pieces about that, but sometimes I kind of wish I had to have somebody help me. Yeah, make decisions. like you're like I wasn't, I'm not made to be in isolation, or yeah, yeah exactly. To be. Exactly. Have you tried therapy? <laughs> <laughs> like funny What's story. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, maybe you're called to religious life, mm. which again, valid. But like, what if you've already discerned that like a couple times and like the door has been slammed shut, you know, like, yeah, or I've heard um, maybe God just wants you to fulfill X before he brings your husband as if like I have to earn it. Oh, so, yeah. So so you can tell like well-intentioned and also like, wow, you really um, are not letting yourself enter into like my pain. Exactly. The lack of empathy is pretty evident. Yeah. So I I feel grateful to you for a lot of things. But one thing in particular is um, your willingness to be with us today to talk about something that I feel like can be um, really taboo in our church. 
um, and can and can be really difficult. And and I'll be perfectly honest that as you know, someone who is married, got married at the quote culturally expected <laughs> time in my life, my mid twenties, um, and I have children. Um, you know, this is something that it, it's hard for me to know mm. how to speak to my brothers and sisters in the faith um, when they are single um, beyond the quote expected time <laughs> or, you know, that they've acknowledged that this is not a comfortable or desired place mm. for them to be. And so I, I really feel thankful. Like, mm. I, I don't know what you're going to say yet today, but <laughs> but I but I just already feel really privileged that you would let us into mm your experience and um and to let us learn from from you and and your own reflections um so you know maybe actually we could just start with that very fact mm-hmm. that you know you are single mm-hmm. and um and maybe yeah sharing what that has been like mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. um and getting to be honest with us about the humanity the you know the human experience um of this single life that you're living yeah, thank you. Actually, I would like to return the thanks because I think I think the single life can feel unseen and lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go to parishes and and we hear prayers for the priests and for the religious and for married couples and oh, wait, what about what about us? You know, or yeah. um just a lot of the different events at parishes can be for moms groups or youth groups or kids, right? It can feel really lonely. And so just having a space to to share that um, is really an honor. So thank yeah. you for making that space. Um, yeah, my experience being single, I will say that it's been a journey and it's a journey that I'm not on here to talk about, oh, the misery and like poor me. Like, no, I mean, it's it's painful, but it's also like genuinely been beautiful mm-hmm. and it is genuinely brought me into such an intimate place in the father's heart. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess just overall, like, I would say that as a single person, I've gone through many phases, right? Kind of the, the angry phase of, okay, Lord, like, I remember thinking, there's round one. Okay, I missed that. No, right after college, you know, round two, 25. Okay, round three. Okay, round four. Like, right, like kind of just like watching these different uh, friends just get married and, and very quickly becoming outnumbered um, and watching them have their children and, and wanting so desperately to be happy mm-hmm. and to rejoice in that and yet finding it sometimes like unbearable, you yeah. know, just like being at the vows of friends and just kind of choking back some tears. Yeah. And um, and I think that at first it was in an angry way, right? In a, Lord, what am I doing wrong? I've done therapy. Like I've done spiritual direction. Like I'm a, I'm a freaking youth minister. Like, what do you want from me? You <laughs> know, like, yeah, like yeah. What the heck? <laughs> right. And, but, but, you know, I think inevitably like it went through like, God, what's wrong with you? And then, God, what's wrong with me? Like, right? Mm-hmm. Just what what is it about me? And I think that um, one piece that was helpful is just finding other single women. And there are a lot. Like, I'm sure there are single men, and I don't want to not speak to that. But I, I can't really speak to the single man mm-hmm. life, just to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some overlaps. But um, but there's a lot of single women and I think starting to recognize that was was helpful at first for me to think, oh, I'm I'm not alone there. Um but yeah, just as I learned to lean into that ache, mm. um, 
and be honest about it and ask those questions and cry and just beg the Lord and, you know, just over and over again, just dialoguing with him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's helped my heart to see many things, which we can maybe get into, but, um, but certainly seeing his presence in this intimate place of my heart, like mm-hmm. he, he's met me in a place that I don't know any other thing in my life maybe would have brought me there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit of a teaser, I guess, but, um, and then also helping me see that my ache of singleness Yes, is unique, but actually every single person has an ache. Mm. They have an area where they wonder if God's going to show up or a prayer that seems unanswered. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm hearing that and I am, again, just in awe of your vulnerability in being able to share with us. Um, I want to go back to something that that you were acknowledging. You know, you're talking about the anger and kind of the anger outward toward the Lord, and then the anger inward towards myself, mm-hmm. like being self critical. And and it it was really reminiscent to me of like the stages of grief, right? Like the mm-hmm. classic, like you know, there's denial, and then there's anger, and then there's bar- bargaining, and then there's, you know, and then we end yeah. up with acceptance. And and I was thinking about the idea of ambiguous loss. Oh. And so, um, you know, in school, it's something we learn with like trauma mm-hmm. and grief processing with our clients. Um, the concept of ambiguous loss that um, in our in our culture, there are certain losses like the death of a grown up um, that our culture like knows what to do. We have the funeral, we yep. bring the casserole, we send the flowers like, you know, yeah. there are rituals and there are expectations around it. And so as I was, was listening to, I was thinking about, you know, when you were naming, you know, the prayers that we hear at Mass and like there aren't any prayers for the vocations of, of those who are single and and just this, there's this ambiguity and, mm-hmm. and real loss within yes. that. Yes. And um, maybe if you could just say a little bit about what it's like to have a loss that our culture doesn't really acknowledge mm-hmm. like widely, yeah. um, you know, this expectation that like, well, you're single in transition to something else, yeah. but that's not a guarantee. You don't know yep. where that's going. So there's ambiguity. Yep. Yes. Uh, I feel so seen. That was beautiful because I think there is a grief, that ambiguous loss of, oh, I, I, I mean, so many moments of like, I thought I would have had four kids by now or what, you know, just these different moments of grieving the life that you kind of thought you would have had. Right. Yeah. Um, and the church is really great at offering, you know, the singles groups when you're young, right out of college. Mm. And then it kind of like jumps to like the married with kids. And when you're single a little longer, or maybe a lot longer, depending on who you are, then that is quote unquote average. Um, it does feel kind of like homeless within the church, right? It can yeah. it can feel kind of like, um, like, don't get me wrong. Theologically, I know there's a place, right? Like, in Jesus's mm-hmm. eyes, I know there's a place, um, but I think in act, this is this mm-hmm. is kind of a new phenomenon for the church, right? And like, we haven't had um, these men and women single into their 30s and 40s as yeah. much as I think we are now, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think what's interesting is like in the church culture, I can feel kind of out there or like, I don't really know. Like, is it weird that I'm here and I'm the only non-mom? Like, uh, you know, but, um, 
But then it's also weird because in like the secular world, people are like, you go feminist, like you just get that career and like you just kind of mm. keep doing you. And so it's kind of this weird, like, like, but no, that's uh, not what I was like, thinking. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's kind of this weird place of like, it's so like in the culture, I kind of fit in in a way that I don't want to, but like in the church, I don't really fit in. Yeah. I mean, home, when you use the word homeless, yeah. like where is my place? Yep. Where, um, where am I seen? Where do I, where do I belong? Where are my gifts celebrated? Where am I understood? Yeah. And I, I think about, um, the other, the other groups or the other persons who may also yes. say, I don't know if I have a place here. Um, again, like theologically, yep. yes, there are these truths, but then in act and yes. in, in actuality, yep. um, how does my church welcome me? Um, do they make space for me? Um, do they go into these maybe unknown or uncomfortable spaces and places to welcome me in and to like hold me close? Um, yes. So, I mean, you just, I don't know, I, I, I love that you are able to use your experience to connect and maybe you can say a bit more about what that's been like for you. Yeah, I love that you said that too. I keep saying that, but I just, we're on the same page here. Um, I have thought about myself as a single woman, knowing that I still have the potential within our theology to like have that capital V vocation, right, of marriage. And yet I've come across, you know, a lot of people that have same-sex attractions. And I think about how in the, in the eyes of the church, right, in terms of, of marriage, like that's not ever going to be a possibility. And so where do they fit? Where are we making space for them in, in the long term? You know, um, that's, that's one group that my heart has been really drawn toward. Um, also, I've walked with a dear friend through an experience of infertility and just um, the ache of, oh my gosh, like this, this person just had their fourth kid and I am just wanting one, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's, there's that ache and, and where do we, where do we belong in the church? Cause we don't have that quote, big Catholic family that we're supposed to have, or, you know, or the person whose child you know, has a severe mental health struggle and they just feel like nobody, you know, understands. There's just, you could go on and on and on. Um, and, and I think, yeah, another group is um, those who have been divorced or mm -hmm. um, those who are widowed. Um, just that, that place of not necessarily knowing exactly where they fit as they're listening to the homilies, as they're listening to the prayers, as they're looking at the bulletin for like what thing to get involved in without feeling like they're standing out like a sore thumb. Um, and so absolutely that is, I think that has actually been though, what has helped my singleness, not just narrow in on myself hmm. because it's helped me to be like, Oh, like I'm not, I'm not so special and so alone in my ache and in my feelings of being a quote unquote outsider. Like there's a lot of us and what a gift that I have eyes to see groups of people that I maybe wouldn't have seen hmm. if I didn't feel myself or feel, you know, like an outcast myself at times. Yeah. And I mean, really, it's it's a testament to your openness to the grace of of, of the faith um, to let your pain 
if I can call it that, yes, and, <laughs> and um, to let your pain become an avenue to connect with others. Um, I, I can't think of anything more Christ-like. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, he came to enter into our suffering yeah. um, and to unite us in suffering. And and one of the things you kind of referenced here and there is this universal ache. And, mm. and that word universal, yeah. you know, really captures me. Um, it's Catholic. I mean, literally, yeah. <laughs> you know what the word Catholic means. And, and um, so can you talk about that? I just, yeah. I love your understanding of this. And yeah, I think this could be really um, spiritually formative for, mm. for me and for our listeners. Sure. Yeah. So I have gotten to know the single life a little better than I had ever anticipated or hoped for, frankly. Um, and that, was it's, a, that was an amazing reframe <laughs> right there, folks. Hey, it's therapy. You do it on yourself, guys. Um, but um, but truly, like, I, I've learned so much about myself and about God and about where I doubt and where I don't trust him in my singleness. And I think um, my my journey in singleness of having this ache that I'm like, Lord, I, I just, I want to be married, right? What do I have to do? You know, just going through those different questions. Um, I saw the Lord turn my heart from self-pity to being able to sit with that, see his goodness, and then learn how to sit with other people in their unique aches. I think my singleness has helped me realize that I'm not made for this earth. Mm. And I think when my biggest dream that I had not yet fulfilled was being married and having a family um, and recognizing like, wait, what if, what if that doesn't happen? Like, is that what God promises? I mean, not explicitly, right? Just kind of yeah. coming to terms with that, I think opened my eyes to, well, what does he promise? Right, like, what is the promise of God? And um, I do think that He He desires to to bless us with with good things on this side of eternity. But I also think that it's in our longings, in the not yets, in the unanswered prayers, that we are we are invited to look into heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think that my longing for for marriage has become that gateway into heaven to go, okay, now with an eternal perspective, hmm. I am still his loved one. I He still has good plans for me. He actually has offered me the same salvation that he's offered all of my married friends, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he desires my goodness just as much as he does for them. And so I think that, yeah, for me, that, that ache has become a blessing um, because it's helped me to just really have to grow in intimacy with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to acknowledge the fact that I think if I had heard myself say that five years ago, I probably would have rolled my eyes. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. kind of like, okay, girl, like stop talking about mm, this. It sucks right now. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, and I want to acknowledge that with, with whatever, whether it's that you're single or whether it's some other ache in your life that you're just not quite in a place where you're able to go, this is so beautiful. Like I get that and I've yeah. been there and I still have my moments like that. Yeah. Um, and yet I do find 
that the more we can acknowledge that like Jesus did tell us to that we're going to have crosses. Like he did not. Mm -hmm. He's not lying to us Mm -hmm. (laughs) by allowing these things. Mm -hmm. He's he's being true. And Mm -hmm. um, if we can learn how to just sometimes I even just imagine myself just like hugging that cross, like just laying and just like my weight falling on it and just, you know, in that resignation almost. um, There is a deep intimacy there. And kind of circling back to the universal, um, as I speak with people with different aches, their experiences are so similar. Hmm. Like they're again, they're we want to reverence the uniqueness. Like experiencing infertility is not the same as experiencing singleness, and I mm-hmm. never want to equate them or any other longing. Um, and yet, they both can become avenues to looking into heaven. Mm. And to having to fall upon the cross in a way that um, maybe nothing else causes us to do. Yeah. Well, I I think about you know as, as Christians we often talk about like already but not yet. Like yes. you know the kingdom has come. It's already reigning, but not yet fulfilled. Like not yet in its totality. And so you know we can have these human joys on earth. Yeah. We can we can have that consolation of like, okay, I know the Lord loves me. I know he wills good things for me. I know that his love is a perfect love that's, you know, wiser and and all knowing than anything I could dream up for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, it heaven isn't fulfilled. Like it it isn't yes. um I'm not yet fully satisfied. Um and so I thirst or I ache. Yes. Um yeah, and I I think about um Certainly, St. Augustine's, our hearts are restless Mm -hmm. until they Mm -hmm. rest in thee. And in this, I don't know, maybe this sounds odd, Ashley. You know, feel free to be like, "Mm, Kenny, you can't say that as um, as someone who isn't walking this road of singleness. But, um, you know, you are confronted with that ache, I imagine, on a a daily basis in a very, like, real, Mm -hmm. concrete way. And for for those of us who um, maybe don't have it in such a, a clear, concrete mm-hmm. absence, mm-hmm. you know, in our life, um, it, it takes a bit more, um, I don't know, surrender mm-hmm. um, to notice our ache. You mm-hmm. mentioned it was universal, and I agree mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think when, you know, we live in this world of great comfort and yeah. convenience and you know, all the technologies. Um, and, and by that, I, I don't just mean electronics, but I mean like all right. the things that make the easy buttons of yes. my life. Um, you know, I, I had a friend once who said to me, like, kind of like, you've got what all of us, she was a single woman, like you've got what all of us want. And it took mm-hmm. me aback and I was, and it just, it made me realize that in order to connect with my suffering God, mm. um, I, I have to be more, thoughtful and reflective yeah. because in the day to day I am well taken care of I've got a, you know a roof over my head I've got food on the, in the fridge I've got you know a husband next to me and and children to send off mm-hmm. to school like in a lot of ways I'm quote like living the dream yeah. and also like the Lord wants me to desire him like yeah. he wants he wants me to leave that space um mm-hmm. for only him to yeah. fill yeah. um and so I'm just yeah, I, I'm thinking about how much more intentional yeah. maybe um, I need to be and maybe other mm. listeners need to be 
in order to uncover this because mm-hmm. it may come off at first as like ache what ache no universality mm-hmm. there <laughs> like I've, I've got it i've got what i need yeah. i'm self-sufficient like yeah. my life is rolling i think what's what's maybe even trickier is identifying it when we quote like have it all mm-hmm. together right like mm-hmm. so not only do we know exactly what parish group we belong to and what mm-hmm. you know events in the bulletin we can attend but but we have a prominent role of leadership and and people look you know to us and at us um as if we've got it all going on and yeah. how could we long for anything but mm-hmm. you know what you've shared so far leads you to believe, Ashley, in your experience of ministry and now as a counselor, um, that you see this is universal. Absolutely. So, so what are some of the other iterations that yeah. you come across? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I, I immediately think of, of people who are dealing with every day just anxiety and depression and it's just kind of hidden. Um but they're they're showing up with that, and they kind of can hide it, or they can kind of blend in a little bit, um, and yet it's so deep for them. Um, or I think of people that maybe they have just different dynamics at home that are dysfunctional, um, but they're hidden. Again, people don't necessarily see that. Or maybe even just um, the financial burdens of, oh, I wish we had X, Y, or Z so that we could kind of do the same things as these people that we love, right? Just kind of feeling a little bit out of the loop um, for that. Um, And I think I also hear people um, that, like you said, kind of quote unquote, have it all. And yet they're still feeling unsettled. Like there's still this question of like, what is this for? Or like, what is the purpose of all of this? And I think that is, is a great indication of that longing of, yeah, even when we quote unquote have it all, our hearts are restless. You know, they they are oriented towards um, towards towards heaven, and so no matter what, we're not fulfilled. We're not fulfilled here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially that last example that you give, like that is very very common in my office. You know that that people come in and and say like there must be something wrong with me yeah. because I have it all. And yet I I feel sad or I feel anxious and worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a, um, a a gift, my role as mm-hmm. therapist, it's such a gift to be able to help them put words to this. And yeah. again, I get to be in that privileged place of like integrating faith into the work. And, yeah. and so we get to talk about it. Um, yeah, all of that is is very pertinent, I think, for for all of us walking around this earth right now. Yeah. You know, we've kind of spoken up here in in a more mm-hmm. theoretical abstract way and I'm curious if you have like concrete practices or you know counsel to offer mm. to those who may be listening right now um you know or or those of us who are going to take this advice and and be open to experiencing our ache like what do we do when we find it what do we mm. do when we're in it mm-hmm. how do you survive that yeah yeah, I have a few thoughts on that. So first of all, I think one thing that has been helpful for me is to just allow Jesus to meet me in the ache, which that might sound really funny. But one way that I have experienced this, and maybe that'll help make it a little more practical, is when I've come across Jesus's words from the cross, I thirst. I have been able to sit and think, oh my gosh, like you're admitting longing. Like mm. you're admitting that your heart um, is not yet satisfied. You thirst, 
right? Yeah. And I, I've heard Mother Teresa yes. talk about this, yes. right? It's and like just, in all of her chapels, right? right? I thirst. Yeah. Yes. And like he thirsts for me. He thirsts for you. He thirsts for the love of the church. And so I think when I come across that passage in those words of Christ, it's a moment for me to recognize my thirst, my longing, and to let Jesus see me in that. Like, oh, you get it. Oh, you yeah. long. Like, if if I am longing for this, how much more are you longing for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one like practical type of of prayer that I have found to be helpful. I think another really key piece for me has been learning how to live in the both and. So I used to think, you know, for example, from the single perspective of like, either I need to be all in hoping that I'm going to get married and like despairing that I'm not, or I need to just give up the idea altogether, protect myself, right? Just kind of these different extremes. And I think um, there's like a, a little phrase that God put on my heart a few years ago called contentedly longing. Like how do I allow myself to simultaneously be content with the great, amazing gifts that God has given me right now and the people and the opportunities and just so many gifts that are right now, that contentment, um, that kind of that already that you were speaking of mm-hmm. earlier, um, while at the same time holding that not yet, right? Uh-huh. Of like, oh, and it hurts, you know, and like changing the language from but to and <laughs> like, I love my life right now. And it hurts that I'm not married, mm-hmm. you know, and just it's a subtle distinction, but I find it to be really freeing. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And I think yeah. that's really relatable for no matter what you're going no, through, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, to just learn how to accept that, uh, that dual reality, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of freedom there. And even concretely, as you're, you're diving into the both and I have found it helpful to just journal about that, just to journal the honest feelings that I'm having while also journaling the objective promises of Jesus. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I need friends to tell me those promises, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but to then just allow myself to hold those together and to give myself permission to, to feel both. And I have found that as I'm able to do that, I am more equipped to then do that for others. And so I think that's kind of my third piece of the more comfortable we become sitting in that tension in our own lives in that both and that discomfort and that comfort and like that, wow, this is great. And this is really hard. Just the more that I think we enter into that, I guess, but I, yeah, the ache, um, I think it, it widens our capacity to do that for others. Yeah. And I, and I have lived experience of that. I, I have a dear friend who I've seen, this reality come true with where her in her own unique ache, which is an infertility. Um, she is a greater capacity to sit with me in my ache of singleness. Mm. And I've seen my ability to sit with her in her infertility while still acknowledging the differences. And I think that the more comfortable that, that we all become allowing that tension to exist opens up the opportunity for us to to be that for others. Yeah. And really kind of circling back to that loneliness that that singles can feel or that people who have been divorced can feel, et cetera, et cetera. 
if someone is sitting with me in my both and, even if they're married with 15 children, <laughs> like I feel seen mm. and I feel loved and I feel like a part of the community. You know, when it's not just, hey, will you babysit my kids? You know, mm. or, oh, you have more time as a single person. Can you just do that? Like when it's not just that, but it's a true entering into my story, like truly those those barriers for me at least have been overcome. Yeah. And so I think that would be my, my other practical piece would be to like learn how to sit with other people in their aches and um and not try to solve it, <laughs> but to just be in it and to yeah. just allow that allow Christ to unite us and not our states in life. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm really, when I think about it from a psychodynamic perspective, you know, <laughs> through my therapist lens, um, the, the concept of self-compassion mm. um, and, and then empathy, like yeah. those two concepts show up. And, and so I hear you saying, um, you know, can I develop the capacity for self-compassion for when that feeling shows up in me, when the ache makes itself known instead of dismissing it or instead of indulging it and letting it overtake me and rule my life and, you know, take the drivers, take the steering wheel from me um, instead to acknowledge it, to validate it um, and to say, yes, and there are other pieces to this story. And when I can do that in that self-compassion, I can in turn be empathetic to others. I'm not threatened by or overwhelmed or overtaken Mm -hmm. by their upset feelings. Um, I can, I can be with them without being worried that I'm going to be engulfed, yeah. you know, by their pain. I mean, that's yes. often what causes us to put up these walls. Absolutely. It's like, ah, ah, that's that's too much. That's too big. That's too awkward. Yep. That's too taboo. Um, I don't know the answer. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't, can't solve that. It. So go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I'd have to just sit with you and you might leave feeling as bad as you did when you came. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. And so, um, and yeah, welcome to therapy sometimes, guys. Um, so, um, yeah, bummer, bummer news. Um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, but when when we can do that for ourselves, we feel greater mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. and and trust um, that we can sit with the discomfort with others. Yes, so exactly. yeah, oh, exactly. beautiful. Um, so I am just yeah, I I I don't know. There's so many other places I could go with you <laughs> right now, Ashley. So let's just say this is like we're gonna put a pause on this, um, and be able to come back and have you on again, oh, awesome. um, and and talk about a few things. I've got some notes here, um, of future <laughs> topics in mind that you um that you briefly touched on, um, but I think we could all benefit from hearing more from you and and from the way that the Lord is really using you um, to bring truth and healing to his people. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably about, again, your own um, story and your reflections. Before we go, actually, sure. um, you may, again, be aware that we have another custom here <laughs> on this whole life, which is sharing a challenge by choice. And so we gave you the option to come up with one. Did you Do you have something for us? I do. Okay. I do. What you got? Yeah. So kind of along the lines of this uh, universal ache and whether maybe some of you have been listening and you're like, I know that ache. And maybe some of you, like Kenna mentioned, are like, I mean, I don't even really know. My life's pretty good. Um, Regardless, I just invite everyone, challenge by choice here, um, to just take a few moments this week and invite the Holy Spirit to highlight 
a particular ache in your heart. And as, as that becomes clear to you, I just invite you to take a nice pause and just sit with that for a moment. Maybe even take a nice deep breath and just recognize it. What are you feeling? What are your thoughts around it? What are you thinking about God in this ache? Just kind of sit with that. And then as you're, as you're sitting with that, to just pray the litany of trust, just as a way of saying, Lord, this is the ache and I maybe don't understand it and I don't like it or, you know, whatever that might be. And I trust you and I'm inviting you into this. There's that both and. The both and. I'm all about it. So that would be my challenge by choice this week. All right. I am loving that challenge by choice. And I'm I'm just particularly loving you're our first guest to come up with one for us. And so I am really (laughs) looking forward to undertaking that with you, all of our awesome listeners. Um, So Ashley, if you would join me in prayer to close today. Um, And again, as you had told us to do, just taking a breath Mm. and really letting the Holy Spirit be present to us. Lord God, you who are divine wisdom and perfect timing. We pray that you would be with us, um, that in these moments of recognizing our ache, whatever particular form that takes, um, that you would give us the grace to pause, to be able to, to notice it and to recognize it as a hunger and a thirst for you. And in turn, to receive your thirst for us. We give thanks for all the blessings in our lives and ask you to give us the strength, the courage um, to be able to endure the sufferings, the real longings that we feel. And so we offer this prayer in your holy and perfect name. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, thank you, Ashley, for being here. Thank you. It's been a true pleasure and I'm so honored to be your first guest quite humbled um and honestly this has been a beautiful long-awaited opportunity to be able to talk about this so thank you love it well we're excited that you get to share this message um with all those of you awesome listeners out there um so speaking of you listeners out there if you would please do us the honor of subscribing to this podcast um so that you get the episodes as soon as they drop sharing this with those who you think might um, benefit from hearing about the ache and all the other things we talk about here on this whole life rate us review us if you you know think we deserve it. Um, give us those two thumbs up. Um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at This Whole Life Podcast and on Twitter at This Whole Life. We want your feedback. Uh, we want to know your questions. You know, what else do you want to hear Ashley talk about? Um, thoughts, reflections. Send us a note online by visiting thiswholelifepodcast.com. And until next time, God bless all of you. Um, and here's to each of us um, uncovering that ache and that longing for you, Lord. This Whole Life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. I should have warned you that I don't need many prompts. I I could just talk. So I am like... I know someone like that. (laughs) It's like...